seated. I want to start in Mark chapter 11. We are and have been teaching a series on faith for a number of weeks. And we want to continue along that line. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12, it says that on the morrow when they, Jesus and his disciples, were, were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Notice Jesus spoke to the tree. Skip down to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they'd gone uh, from Jerusalem to Bethany the day before. And now they're headed back to Jerusalem the next morning. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. It's also translated, have the faith of God. We sometimes coin the phrase, the God kind of faith. And he describes what that kind of faith is. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. We've talked extensively about this thing called faith, this subject of faith. And we found that it's the vehicle whereby mankind receives anything and everything from God. The Bible talks about the importance of faith in order to please him. The Bible indicates very specifically that without faith, not only can you not please God, but you can't receive from God. And so this thing called faith this method that God has established whereby mankind can imitate as children the same kind of faith that God used to create the world. Now, folks, I, um, I got some very clear and, and direct instruction from the Lord about this service this morning. The Lord wants me to share with you my testimony of healing. I don't really like doing that. Well, you ain't got the mic. I just don't like talking about myself. That's the biggest part of it. But there are things that you need to know. There are things that the, that the Lord has done before our eyes that it would be wrong not to magnify so 
Here we go. In the spring of 2011, I was sitting alone in my house. And out of nowhere, my right hand and right leg began to shake uncontrollably. I immediately, in shock, asked the Lord, what's this? And he said very clearly and very distinctly, very strongly in my heart, he said, it's PTSD. That's post-traumatic stress disorder. A lot of times, veterans and soldiers will come back from war and they'll have to deal with an array or variety of symptoms relative to that stress disorder. And after about a year, believing God, I, I immediately put my faith out on my healing. I spoke healing to my body. I prayed the prayer of faith, knowing that Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. So I claimed my healing by faith. But about a year later, this would have been 2012, sometime in the, uh, probably it was the spring, and, uh, and these times were approximations. I didn't start a diary or a journal or anything like that, primarily because I don't want to magnify the work that the enemy has done. But about spring of 2012, symptoms had progressed to the point where I felt like I needed to go to the doctor and find out what he said about it. You know, sometimes when the Lord speaks something to your heart, it comes so clear and it is so loud within your own spirit that it becomes something for you to hang on to. But then as the passage of time goes by, it's not uncommon to question, did I really hear what I thought I heard? And so that, that factored into my decision to go to the doctor. And he diagnosed me with Parkinson's disease. Now, Parkinson's disease is a, just a wonderful thing. And it's, there's a lot that they don't know, a lot that medical science doesn't know. There's really no test for Parkinson's. Now, the exception to that, according to what the first neurologist told me, there is one test that they can perform to identify whether it meets the clinical definition of Parkinson's or not. But he described it to me as kind of like a, t a spinal tap. He says, very painful. He said, it really wouldn't change anything one way or the other because they can and would prescribe the same medication. And there are several different types of medication that they had, as, again, as it was explained to me, depending on the, the severity of the symptoms. And so I opted not to go for the test. I really don't care what anybody else calls it. If it's an attack on the body, Jesus paid the price for it, so healing is mine one way or the other. So I didn't see the point in going through the difficulty and the inconvenience and the pain of having the test done. Well, over the next five years or so, 
my symptoms got worse and worse. It progressed from just the shaking or tremors in my right hand and right foot to the point where I had trouble breathing. Now, as I understand it, and I don't claim to be an expert on it, and I don't read a lot about it, I don't care. Healing is healing. And if there's something the Lord needs me to know, he'll show me, and, he, and there are things that he has shown me about it. But I don't go searching it out. Now, a lot of people that I know and that love me, they did go to searching things out. They were determined they were going to find out the answer and what I needed to do. And I understand that it was done out of a heart of love. And I did a couple of things just to appease the people that were trying to help me. But finally, after coming to the point where I had expressed and shown a willingness to try whatever they thought was right, I finally got to the point where I told everybody, I mean the people that were trying to help me and trying to find the, the cure, and, and I can't tell you how many times, either at home or at church, somebody would come up with something that somebody else said and, and, and approached me like, this is your answer. Well, in fact, my answer was to count it all joy. My answer was to stand in faith. Folks, there comes a point in time where it just comes down to you and God and his word. I, uh, I began to experience difficulty in breathing. Now, by that, I don't mean I'd lay in bed and wheeze through the night. But breathing became something that was, well, it became more than just an involuntary reaction. Breathing is described as an involuntary action of the human body by the medical community. Well, if you've got Parkinson's, it affects the neurons in your brain. And so things that come naturally don't come naturally anymore. And so I had to focus, especially when I was in church, when I was doing anything that was really any stress or pressure-related thing, which included preaching and teaching in the church. I would have to concentrate on breathing. It became doubly difficult because I was trying to talk or speak or minister at the same time. For the first time in my life, I had to start using notes because I couldn't spend my energy thinking about what the next thing I wanted to say was or what God wanted me to say because I was having to focus on breathing. I, I'm sorry if that doesn't describe it well, but I don't know how else to tell you about it. Parkinson's is a result of damaged cells in the body and in the brain. Now, the mitochondria, I don't know much about what that is, but I've heard of it. And it was one of the words that the Lord gave me just as I woke up in the morning. 
pretty late in the, in the journey regarding this thing. And I discovered that the mitochondria are a part of the cells of the human body. And when I say body, I'm talking about the brain as well. That repair damaged cells. Parkinson's and the symptoms thereof are a result of damaged cells in the body and in the brain. And if the mitochondria, which are directly related to stress levels, if they're insufficient or in a low number, then the cells can't adequately repair as they're supposed to. Consequently, the difficulty in breathing is the reason why many people in public um, view celebrities, entertainers, politicians, and so forth. Most of them have to give up whatever they do, acting, singing, whatever, because of the difficulty in breathing. So it's pretty obvious that it became an attack on my voice. Like I said, I had to start preaching from notes. Never have preached from notes. But if you can't exercise your mind to think about what to say next without notes, you're stuck. I didn't think it would be profitable for everybody just to watch me week after week trying to figure out how to breathe. And as a result, I could feel things that were changing in my body. I've described it this way before, and I don't know any better way to say it. But if you've ever been to the beach and tried to run in waist-deep water, you can do it. But it takes a lot of effort. It's much more effort than if you were just running on the sand of the beach itself. Well, that's the way I felt like my mind was being affected. I felt like I was trying to think underwater. There were some other things that, uh, that happened. My strength levels dissipated to just about nothing. It was a chore just to exercise the strength necessary to get through a service. And because of the effect on my voice, I know I created a real hardship for the people on the soundboard because they were having to try to push what little bit of volume I could give. And in many cases, it was barely more than a whisper. And so they're trying to push the volume in the house to make sure that whatever I do say is able to be heard and understood. And it seems like when it came to my strength and this breathing thing, Things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Now, in the period of time from the first shaking in my body to this present day, there was not one second of doubt. Not one. There were questions. There were things that the devil would challenge me with. There were things that I would ask God about. But never a second of doubt. Because I knew that no matter what it felt like, 
no matter whether things looked like they were going north or south, better or worse, God's word was true. But there was something, again, because of the relationship to the nervous system, there was something that began pretty early on that became for me one of the most difficult parts. And that was, and again, I don't know how to describe it any better than this. It felt like there were ants crawling in the inside of my veins. It wasn't a painful thing. There were other parts of it that were painful. But this wasn't a painful thing. But there were times where it was all I could do to keep from running, running out of the room screaming. I lost my joy for ministry. I would claim it. I would speak to it. But I went through some years where it just wasn't any fun. Another result that happened pretty early on was that it began to affect my sleep. I've always been able to sleep well and fall asleep just about any time I wanted to. I've always been a night person, so I'm pretty late going to bed. But it came to the place where I could not get a good night's sleep more often than maybe once a month. Now, when you've got other things added to the mix, things that I was experiencing, and add sleep deprivation to that, there were times where it was all I could do just to hold it together. I lost my sense of smell, which is part of the symptoms of Parkinson's. The tremors got worse and worse, which is a symptom of not only Parkinson's, but PTSD as well. And I came to the place where I really didn't know if I was going to be able to keep going. I knew what the word said. But I realized that I was operating in a lot of fear. Now, the fear wasn't mine. The fear was as a result of the disrupted function of some of the cells in my body. And it hadn't been too long ago that the Lord spoke to me well, let me, let me back up. I think it was my spirit picking up something from the Holy Spirit. Because out of the blue, I heard coming out of my mouth these words. The fear is not of me. And I didn't know what that meant. And I have to be honest with you and tell you that I hadn't really focused in on the fear one way or the other. I guess I recognized that I was fearful. And by that, I don't mean afraid that healing wouldn't come. I certainly don't mean that it was fear that maybe God was doing something in this and 
not helping me for some purpose or whatever. Those thoughts came and those thoughts come to everybody. But I'm way too smart to take hold of that. And if I don't accept them or speak them, then those thoughts of doubt die unborn. But when the Lord, well, again, I, I need to back up and say this accurately. When my spirit picked up from the Holy Spirit, the statement that the fear is not of me, I began to focus a little bit on that fear. I knew there was an answer to fear. There always is. And I realized that the fear and the nervousness was as a result of the physical, physical condition, not a product of my heart. And so, as has happened with several other things, I began to attack that with my confession. Now, in years past, back in the mid-90s, when we were coming to the place where we were building, preparing to, and then building this facility so we could have a church home, we dealt with some tremendous financial pressure. And folks, I got to tell you, I believe God for healing and I believe God for finances. And I think finances are a tougher battle to fight. So I knew from that experience, I knew what fear was. I knew how to deal with fear. I knew what the Bible had taught us to do. So I began to attack the fear. Now when the devil gets you into a place of difficulty, he bears down all he can. And the nervousness that I felt as a result of this physical condition made it more difficult than I'm able to express to you. Something as simple as just standing here in front of you. Me speaking to crowds doesn't come naturally to me. And so when you add in the symptoms that I was experiencing, it was kind of a double dose. And so I got to the place, like I said, to what I estimate to be the first five years of this thing. I got to the place where I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep going. I literally got to the place where I could not see how I could keep going on the path that I was taking or the way that the disease was progressing. But after about year five, I began to see things change in my body. 
My strength was renewed. My ability to, to breathe on my own without thinking about it returned. Now, there are things that the devil will try to raise questions about for all of us. And it really doesn't matter what, what we have questions about. As far as the devil is concerned in his battle against us, the questions, any questions, are as effective as another. I never questioned my healing. I never questioned the will of God for me to be well. I never questioned any of those things because those were things that were already established by the finished work of Jesus. I knew that God didn't have to do or would not do anything to affect my healing apart from what God had already done through his son. See, folks, healing is ours. And healing's not a promise. Healing is something that's been affected already. It's a done deal. Now, it's difficult when you're facing symptoms, sometimes at least, to accept that to be true. But that is true, and it's absolutely true. I wasn't looking for God to heal me. I was simply laying claim by faith to what he had already done through Jesus. And the Bible couldn't be any clearer when it says Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes we were healed. But questions will hinder you. Any question will hinder you. One of the definitions of faith is unquestioning trust. And there comes a point. You remember in Romans chapter 4 where it talked about Abraham. It says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. That fully persuaded place is a place where there aren't any more questions. Doesn't mean you know everything. Doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. But it's just simply the place where questions don't matter anymore. There have been a lot of questions raised by people that used to come to our church as to why this has taken so long. If faith is what we preach it to be, and if faith will make the impossible things real, not only in physical healing, but in any and every circumstance of life, then why has it taken me so long? There are two things outside of my confession that I focus on throughout this entirety through this whole healing walk. One is I make sure that I've cast my cares over on the Lord. That's the place where a lot of the questions stop. One of the things that took place when we were fighting our financial battles as a church We had a lot of people that couldn't take the pressure, and so they left. We lost about 60% of our church during the difficulties, financial difficulty in those 90s, 1990s. 
And we came to the place because of the legal difficulties that we were having. We came to the place where I just said I don't care anymore. I got to the place where no matter what new news came, I just didn't care. We laughed and made jokes with people that we worked with as well as the church by attempting to use that as our church tagline. Foothill Family Church, we don't care. <laughs> we turned out not to use that. But it's really the way that we were living for about five or six years under the financial strain we were in. Well, I got to the place where concerning my healing, I just didn't care. A lot of people were trying to make this to be some kind of testimony to doctors and to unbelievers and whoever else. And folks, I got to tell you, I couldn't care less about that. I don't want healing because I want to have some testimony. I want what Jesus paid for. If he didn't consider it to be important, then he wouldn't have paid the price for it. So whoever does or doesn't believe based on what happens to me is not my concern in the least. One thing I know from seeing examples in the, in the Bible, not everybody that sees a miracle believes in it. So why should I spend my time and effort trying to get something for somebody else's benefit when Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses for mine, my benefit. So things began to change. Again, it was after about year five. Things began to change. My breath came back to me. My strength came back to me. Now, folks, I realize that some people would say that's a coincidence. And it's a marvelous coincidence. Because I began to get exactly what I said. Almost as if the Bible was true. <laughs> I got my voice back. I got my strength back. And little by little, symptom by symptom, things began to change. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that it has not been a straight line recovery. You would think that once your faith takes hold, it would be a steady climb up. where the restoration of health is concerned. But that's not how it's gone. I'd see improvement in one area, and then that improvement would stall out. Then I might see improvement in another area, but then that would stall out too. And those were things I had to cast my care on the Lord. 
for or about. The other thing that I focused on was walking in love and forgiveness. We just saw in Mark eleven twenty five that when we stand praying the prayer of faith, we are supposed to forgive if we have all against anybody. Faith works by love, which means faith won't work without it. Now, the devil was right there to tell me that I'm worrying and that I'm not walking in love. But even the simple improvements that I had seen up to that point proved how wrong that was. See, folks, since faith works by love, if you're not walking in love, your faith won't work at all. It doesn't keep your faith from bringing in the final result. Unforgiveness, not walking in love, keeps your faith from ever working. Well, anybody that was close enough to the situation could see after that five-year mark or thereabouts that things had changed. There were still symptoms and uh, still other symptoms. But you'd have to really keep your eyes closed to keep from seeing that things had begun to change. So little by little, step by step, some symptoms that I was impressed of the Lord to call out, others that I was not. Oh, I meant to, to say this about the, the financial difficulty that we had in the church building. One of the things that the Lord dealt with me about was not trying to micromanage things with my faith. I was trying to attack with my confession every little thing that was going on. At one time, there were 11 different lawsuits that were ongoing against our church. And I realized that that was part of the reason that some of the people left. They assumed that we, were, we the church, and me as the pastor of the church, had to be doing something wrong because of all the difficulty that came against us. And folks, the reason the difficulty came against us is because we're preaching the word. Baptist, church don't, Baptist churches don't have the same trouble to build a building that we did. The devil doesn't stop a Presbyterian church in the same way he tried to stop us. And so the Lord dealt with me very specifically about believing for recovery, believing for restoration in the financial situation. And to stop trying to put my faith on every little thing. Because I didn't know every little thing there was to it. And see if we had to put our faith on every little thing. Rather than the entirety of the result. That Jesus has purchased for us. Then what if we miss something? What if there's some part of the, of the fight. That we're not aware of. Well you'd never get out of the fight. There would always be something. And so having learned that lesson in the situation with our finances, I made sure to stay big picture, to believe God for the, the results of healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. But then the Lord started bringing certain things to me, specific things to me. Not everything, thank God. If you had to confess for every little thing, 
that would create stress and worry that would keep your faith from working anyway. But there were certain things that the Lord directed me to put my faith on. And without exception, I, th I think this is right, without exception, the things that he brought to my attention were things that I would not seen, would not have seen otherwise. It was always revelation. It was always revelation. Well, about three weeks ago, I came across a story in Mark chapter 4. I've read it thousands of times. It's the story when Jesus tells his disciples, let us pass to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then Jesus went to sleep in the back part of the ship. Remember the story? And the disciples woke him up when the storm arose. Well, the Bible says, and I've always confessed this, the Bible says that God gives his beloved sleep. And then it says we're accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in Christ Jesus. But even still, I was getting about one good night's sleep a month. That was something that had not let up, had not relented. But the Lord quickened that to me in Mark chapter 4. And so I started adding to my confession. The Lord gives his beloved sleep. I'm accepted in the beloved and the sleep he gives his beloved can stay asleep even in the middle of a storm. Well, since that time, I've been sleeping like a rock. It's come back to me where I can sleep just about any time I want to. If I put my mind to it, I could fall asleep right now. Some of you may be thinking the same thing about the service, but for a different reason. Let me ask you something else. When's the last time you saw me able to make jokes during services? It was about, well, maybe a year ago that I regained my sense of smell, but it would come and go. I remember walking past one of these candles, these scented candles that Beth had burning in the house, and all of a sudden I smelled it, and it was such a shock. And folks, I got to tell you, I never had noticed until that point that I had not or that I had lost my sense of smell. See, when you get used to not smelling things, you just don't smell them. But here over the last three or four weeks, my sense of smell has returned and stayed. Now, I don't talk, I don't talk symptoms. My kids are hearing some of this stuff for the first time just like you are. I haven't shared any of these things with anybody. And so when something changes, or when I recognize a change, because of some of the experience that I've had, I don't know if it's come back to stay yet, or if it's an intermittent thing like my sense of smell was. So I haven't announced to the house that I can smell again. 
or anything like that. But I've had it back for about three weeks. And I've discovered something. Beth blames a lot of things on the dog. <laughs> what? Why am I awful? About what? You blame the dog for everything. I didn't say it was you. But it is her. <laughs> Folks, it's glad it's good to be back. I'm going to pay for that, I'm sure. <laughs> but who cares? I don't care. <laughs> Folks, there are a few things that are left. There are a few symptoms that have not completely departed. The tremors have changed, improved to what I would estimate to be 80 or 90 percent. I'm not thinking underwater anymore. And I've learned things. Here's a real fine line that I think people have, have difficulty with. I've learned a lot through these last eight years. But sickness and disease is not the way that God teaches you. I don't have the answers for why things have gone the way they have. But I found out a couple of things things that I knew intellectually before, but things that I now have experience with. Experience trumps theory every time. I've got a friend that made a statement one time that I've, well, it just witnessed in my heart. It meant a lot to me, and I've co-opted it as my own. But he said this. He said, I want to learn faith from people with scars. Do you know what I mean by that? I came out of Bible school knowing everything. <laughs> especially about faith. But now some of those same things that I knew back then. Intellectually. Now I know them by experience. There's a verse of scripture that's witnessed to my heart for a long time. And it's in Acts chapter 4. You remember in the third chapter of Acts, Peter and John healed the guy at the beautiful gate of the temple. 
The people come running together to see what happened. Peter and John tell that it wasn't because of some special power or some special relationship with God that they had that somebody else didn't have. He said it was the name of Jesus through faith in the name that made this man strong. Well, they wind up being taken by the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, same group that crucified Jesus. And they're threatened not to teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Peter says, you'll have to decide for yourself whether we ought to obey God or obey you. And it says that they went to their own company. Being let go, they went to their own company. That's about Acts 4, verse 25, something like that. And they begin to pray. And one of the things that they pray for, I think this is verse 29 and 30. One of the things they pray for was to grant unto thy servants boldness that they may speak thy word. Now he describes the kind of boldness that he means. He goes on in verse 30 and says, By stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. Folks, there's a boldness that comes through healing that you can't get any other way. There's a boldness that comes from experience that always trumps ideas that we have through theories. I don't know this to be true, but I have a witness in my heart that this whole journey, the time involved, the circumstances involved, have something to do with the healing power of God flowing in our church. Now beyond that, I don't know. I don't know if that provides an explanation that's satisfactory to you. But I've chosen to be satisfied with it for myself. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Let me share with you a couple of things that I've learned. Here's what I know that I know that I know. God's word is absolutely true. The help of God is not a feeling of strength. I never relied on the Lord for help that he answered with a feeling of strength. The help of the Lord that came to me enabled me to hold on for one more day. The help of the Lord that came for me, to me, was to get me through what I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it through. I wish I could say, well, I wish on one hand. There's part of me that would like to say 
that the healing power of God came down from heaven and struck me on the top of my head like it did Brother Hagen and raised me up in just a few moments of time. But I've come to realize something that I'll never lose. And that is, at my weakest moment, and there were some doozies, at my weakest moment, I still had enough through the power of God's word to defeat the worst the devil can do. I know what it means now to be more than a conqueror. I know what it means now for the greater one to live in me. God's power, God's word, which is his power, is so much greater than anything and everything the devil can do. It's not dependent on our ability to work the word. It's simply like planting a seed into the ground, saying what God's word says and refusing to turn back on it. Just that one seed, just one scripture, one truth revealed to us in, from the word of God is greater than anything and everything the devil will ever threaten you with. So now I'm on the homeward bound side of healing from Parkinson's and PTSD. I'm not afraid of you anymore. That's what my fear was rooted in. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to do the job that God wanted me to do. And I got to tell you folks, there were a lot of services that I walked out of here saying, Dear Lord, if you can do something with that, then you are God. I haven't been at my best in a long time. But I can see the possibility. I can see the assurance that I will be at my best again. And it's all because of the word. It certainly doesn't have anything to do with me. If it had something to do with me, it would have been a quicker result. If it had something to do with my strength of faith, then it wouldn't have gone as long as it did. But I've seen the power of God's word beat back symptom after symptom after symptom after symptom. And it has been the greatest honor of my life to simply trust God's word to be true in the area of healing. It's not the way that I wanted it to go. It's not even the way that I talked to God about it going. But it's a better way. I'm honored to have received my healing just by taking God at his word.
And that's my testimony of healing. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word. Father, we bless you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that it is true that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We declare that it is true that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we were healed. Oh, Father, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Holy Spirit, I magnify you as my helper. We magnify you as our helper. We thank you, Father, that you uphold us with the right hand of your righteousness. So we declare, say this after me. We declare that Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sickness. And by his stripes, we were healed. If we were healed, then I am healed now. Thank you, Father, for the healing power of God that dwells in us, rises up big in us, and quickens our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, there are great things on our horizon. Wonderful things ahead of us. Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Blessed be the name of Jesus. And thus it shall be when you stand out upon my word making confession of my goodness and my mercy thus it shall be that the power my power will be made manifest in your bodies and in your life so be not afraid to step out and say what my word says. For I have given you my word to bring about the results that have been accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of my son. And everything he accomplished, he did for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Well, say it with me. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Now, we're about to dismiss and let everybody go get started on the Thanksgiving feast. But let me talk to you for just a minute, and then we want to say the blessing over the food. Last year, we had a number of plates that collapsed. Most of them, there were kids. And we've got sturdier plates this year, but nothing, no, there is no disposable plate that's meant to withstand 25 pounds of food on it. <laughs> so let me just say right now, there's no shame in third and fourth seconds. <laughs> and parents, if you could help your kids, I think most of the mishaps we had were kids that had overloaded their plates. So if you could help us out on that and keep a watch on your kids, we should have more than enough food for everybody. But we'd like to make one round for everybody to have a chance at what they want to get before everything else goes, goes out. So let me say the blessing over the food, and then we'll dismiss you to go straight in there.